There we go. Um, so, like I was mentioning just a second ago, we'll, uh, and I'll mention it at the end for anybody that might have missed, is we are going to uh, 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 have a goal today to finish off um, our three-part series on um, Idols of the Heart. And so, um, next week is kind of bumping up against Christmas, so, and then New Year's, and then the fourth is really just jam-packed against New Year's. So, we'll, we'll pause after this from a... Um, class perspective, and then we're going to um, seek to pick it back up again in uh, on the 11th of January is what it would be. Um, so uh, hopefully that works for everybody's schedules. Um, so with that, let's just open our time in prayer and get started. Father, thank you for um, just the, um, even as the song was playing, the your glory and uh, Father, it is really about your glory that we desire to want to live our lives. And uh, Father, it is your glory that um, many times we spurn and we um, we worship and serve uh, creation rather than you as the creator. And in your high and lifted place, um, Father, many times we choose to um, supplant um, what's best in our lives with um, the idols that uh, when we when we boil those idols down, um, it really is the sin in our hearts that uh, we desire to want more than we want to please you. And Father, as we think about worshiping you and serving you and pleasing you and asking you to do the moral surgery in our hearts that only you can do um, in our desire to want to grow in you and walk with you and commune with you and fellowship with you and become more like you and be transformed in our hearts so that we can become um, like you in both our thoughts and in, our, in, in what we do in our lives. Father, I pray that you would use this time in this setting uh, along with the homework, with the going deeper in the, um, the verses in the Word of God that... Um, crystallize um, both who we are and who you are in the midst of this journey. Father, I pray that you would help us as we come to grips with our own hearts, that you would <clears throat> help us to call sin what sin is, that we would take it seriously, and Father, that you would help us in um, our desire to want to obliterate our idols in a way that can uh, open the door for um, new appetites, new affections, new um, aspirations in our lives that uh, that, that um, raise you up to your rightful place, um, that we would be testimonies of your immeasurable, unfathomable um, grace, that uh, grace that is, um, even as Paul reminds us, is, is far greater than all our sin. Father, we thank you that you um, alone are um, glorious, and all of us desire to want to um, we worship you and please you in our lives. Father, show us the journey as, and open the doors in this journey uh, to the doorways of our hearts through the power of your Spirit and do a work that only you can do. Father, may, um, may we look back on these next weeks and months um, on this journey in a way that would allow us to be able to truly see your hand at work in our lives and uh, your hand in changing us like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, good. Um, as we uh, think about uh, our time together, um, we have uh, taken and looked at uh, um, in, in this section on wor- our worship, um, our idols of the heart. Uh, we have uh, taken a look at a number of things tied to um, just what do we mean by idols and idolatry, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and reminding ourselves as far as what we covered last week. But I gave you a handout called uh, How to Find Your Rival Gods um, by Tim Keller. Tim Keller's a noted author, um, does some great, has some great books um, uh, specifically on shepherding. Um, that I felt I felt that were really really good. Um, in this uh, handout, um, did you get a chance to take a look at that? Um, and in it, uh, he makes the statement on the front end of this. He says, "Paul, uh, in Romans one, which we looked at last time, uh, Paul shows that idolatry is not uh, first paragraph not only one sin among many, but it is fundamentally what's wrong with our human heart." So that is like the premise that. Um, we're trying to begin this whole journey out with, like if we don't deal with our hearts, we don't deal with like the fundamental problems that exist um, in our hearts, then uh, it's hard to move forward in intimacy with God. Um, I'll suggest there's really two parts to, to this journey. One is understanding who we are, and the second, which I think is more glorious, and, more, and we're going to talk about a sweeter song, is like understanding who God is. And, and, and then, you know, showing the difference between those two and the value proposition really in our hearts from the standpoint of what it means to just um, walk with God and, and commune with fellowship with them in our, in our, in our lives. Um, and so uh, it's hard to just say no to sin. It's, in order to do that, we're going to talk about how to obliterate our idols today at the end of our time together. And so, uh, he also says, uh, idolatry, uh, second paragraph, is always the reason we ever do anything wrong. Uh, Keep going, he says, um, the fundamental motivation behind law-breaking is idolatry. We never break the the other commandments without breaking the first one. The first one was what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Um, He goes on, in any actual circumstance, it, it... in any actual circumstance, is that there is something you feel you you must have to be happy. That is one that is more important to your heart than God Himself. End of that set, uh, paragraph. The secret to change is always to identify and dismantle the basic idols of the heart. Last week we talked about not just dismantling, but we used two metaphors. One was um, obliterating, and uh, two was decapitating. <laughs> Both were. Um, um, strong words to use. Um, so we're going to talk more about that today um, uh, as we get into our time together. So uh, a couple things on our homework, uh, just very quickly. Uh, um, I said read that um, section. I said identif- he identifies four key ways he, he suggests in thinking through how to discern what my idols are. Um, what were those four that he brings up on page two of uh, uh, How to Find Your Rival Gods? Okay. And what you imagine 
Uh-huh. What do you dream about? What do you what occupies your mind when you have nothing else to think about halfway into that par- second paragraph, right? So what is it that captivates your thoughts? What captivates your mind? What captivates your your thinking? Okay? One one really key point. Uh, another one. How you spend your money. He says that's a really key. He says where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So take a look at that kind of on Open the checkbook up. Kind of look at that really closely. What's the third one? What your real God is. Not what you say God is, but who is your real God. Like, like just look at last four days or three days or yesterday. Like, you say this, but how do you actually um, function in your life? What, what are the actual things you make decisions on and why? Like, what... What is your what is the reality of your life as opposed to what you say you, you strongly hold to? Amen. And and frustrated hopes. Yeah. Back to this issue of expectations and what we said before is like when my expectations um, drive me to um, put God on trial because I don't get them, then it's becoming a sin, for sure. And then the last one, the final test. Uncontrollable emotions. Yes. What what ticks you off, right? What gets you angry? Um, it's probably not the thing that ticks you off and gets you angry that's the, your idol, but it's going to lead you to a few why questions as to what, why is that exist in your heart like that. Um, so uncontrollable emotions, they could be multidimensional. Um, but what are those uncontrollable emotions? So good. So hopefully um, you had a chance to kind of think through that in, in our homework. Um, again, we have more homework uh, uh, coming out of today for finishing this section off. But if you look at uh, the going deeper very quickly, the number one on page three of your homework, he says, uh, idols are not, or I say, idols are, are not just stone statues. They are the thoughts, desires, longings, and imaginations and expectations that I worship instead of the true God. They cause me to ignore Him in search of what I think I need. What I need quickly becomes an expectation. When I don't realize or obtain that which I expect over time, they quickly become the, quote, artifacts or evidence I judge God with and find Him wanting. On the other hand, when He allows me to realize or obtain what I expect over time. I'm not satisfied or fulfilled because my heart was created to be satisfied in Him and Him alone. Yep, right? And then uh, keep going. At, look at number four here. He says, while most, uh, uh, I said, while most of these things are inherently evil, the game-changing question is this. What set of desires rule my heart? At the top of page five. This is important because the desires that rule my heart will determine how I evaluate my life, how I make small and large decisions, how I think about the goodness and faithfulness of God, and most importantly, my communion, my fellowship, and my intimacy with God. So hopefully some of these exercises were very helpful for you. It was very helpful for me personally. Any comments around that? Um, I gave you like 16 different uh, uh, questions or comments about like, you know, uh, things that you might struggle with. I mean, I hit eight, eight of the 16 personally, and I added another one in the next question that I had missed. So whether you know it or not, these, these 16 areas, uh, I fashioned because these are some of the things I've struggled with. And so, um, or seen personally, you know, in my counseling or whatever. So I'm sure there's tons, tons more. But um, any thoughts or comments in the exercise? I was like, I'm thinking like idols. Uh huh. 
wasn't until I got into this thing. Yeah. Or yes. Or, you know, yes. What I was thinking about definitely could see. Mm-hmm. You know, Eye opening. Yes. <laughs> yes, Anne. Um, yeah. The description number three, Bible teaches that we cannot know our own hearts mm-hmm. without His help. Mm-hmm. And um, all of these are, I mean, very impactful. Second Chronicles six thirty is, is is a great example, of calling us or commanding God with our full heart. Other. The spiritual dimension is that God knows our heart. Yeah, and the it's motivations of our heart. <laughs> and the connection there is work. Yeah. Said, you know, well, yes. 13. So, I'm always, uh, when I went through that list, I could check everyone. Yeah. I, I really could. There are some, obviously, they're more emphasized yeah. in my heart than others. Yeah, which is kind of what I was trying to get at. Probably most of us deal with all of them. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it is, uh, I guess, uh, I'm just hearing about time reading the word question comes up serve him with all of our heart what does that mm. look like mm. and so long as you're not uh, you know in mind and heart doing something again and, and walk and will yeah. and you are being transformed is being transformed as you're going through this yes. journey right it's it's part of the journey it's not standing still it's the process of him changing you as you go forward in trusting or faith or or whatever right and it sounds so like wow about that whole thing but it's how he does it, and yeah. how God has chosen to transform. And I, I get these these visions and visuals. I don't know if you've ever seen these kids or put their forehead on a bat and they yeah. run around, go around circles. They, they kind of run around in a circle, and then they're asked to go to the finish line or go to a certain thing, and they and they run or walk toward it. They're trying. They're, they're trying. trying. <laughs> no, they're trying. They're like they're going way <laughs> off. <laughs> and I, I see that in my life. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm walking forward, and then these idols take a hold yes. of me. And this is when, you know, this great transition I was talking about, which is finding your heart. I'm walking forward, so I'm pushing. Amen. And you don't, you won't know that until you have something that anchors you, which is the Scripture. That's right. Right. Yeah. 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 Amen. Well, uh, all truth in lending. Um, I, we could talk about these, uh, these. Uh, uh, going deep and homework uh, the whole time. Uh, I just want to share with you my the three biggest idols I have um, in my life. And I kind of talked a little bit about this last time. But for me personally, significance is, is, is probably the top, top uh, idol I have. Um, it has thousands of tentacles in my heart um, and in my decision making. The second is selfishness. That is, for me another big one that I struggle with personally. Um, and the third one is security. It's not security in the way most people think about it. It has, as I shared last time, roots back as a missionary's kid and kind of how that came forward into this life and what kind of how I think about some things. But all three are absolutely sin. And... Um, and the, but but the, it's not like they just have one implication in my life. I mean, there th- I, I drew lines to these three um, uh, through a whole bunch of assessment that I did as far as like like individual examples, right? Um, but when you kind of bring them back to the threads that are when you pull all these things, like for me, these are the biggest three for me personally. Um, so I'm wor- those are the three I'm working through personally. Um, and as you go into next week's uh, homework, you'll see how to work through those, specifically tied to Scripture, um, tied to um, how to obliterate those. 
Any other comments or questions, thoughts before we get started? Okay. Um, I'd be glad to tell you about all of the pieces that I learned going through this on those three anytime you want. Let's talk. <laughs> um, so uh, today we're going to finish up our, our section on, on worship, to honestly evaluate and deliberate and deliberately reorient the passions of our hearts. Um, our, our four learning objectives that we've gone through, we've hit the first two already, introduce the true nature of idols and idolatry and conclude that I'm an idol worshiper. Hopefully nobody in this room hasn't like assimilated that yet. But the last two we're going to hit today, which is to understand the implications of my idols on my intimacy with God, and most importantly, last but not least, what to do about them. Um, Last week we got together, we talked about how, I looked at Romans one twenty one, and we said, like, idolatry, who I worship and who I serve, or what I worship and what I serve, is going to determine my idols, and, 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 and worshiping my idols is going to determine that I'm an idolater. Okay, so, anchoring here... We said that's the beginning, like we said, that's the beginning of everything. And, it, and from there flows these three things in a downward sense, impurity, immorality, and then depravity. But out of all these, in the end of 20, 26, 27, 28, are these 21 sins that move us into a more of a um, habitual perspective and a defiant perspective, kind of pushing back on all things tied to the Spirit of God in our lives. Again, uh, all starts with idolatry, which we said are really fundamental lies about who God is when we, all, when we really boil it all down. Uh, we, we said uh, an int- a working definition of an idol is that idol is created in our lives when we seek happiness, peace, fulfillment, contentment, or joy in a person, a thing, experience, independent of God and all he is and all he longs to provide us with. We said that idolatry is the worship of my idols. We said, thirdly, it's spiritual adultery. And fourth, that it's the greatest contributor to my uh, lack of intimacy with God. So that was trying to set the stage as to why this is so important for us to really do battle with in this, in this journey. Uh, I gave you a number of quotes from Tozer. I just want to hit on one or two of them. And, and he starts off by saying, Let us beware, lest we in our pride accept the erroneous notion that idolatry consists only in kneeling before visible objects of adoration, as you mentioned, and that civilized people are therefore free from it. And he says this, he says, The essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of Him. Um, it begins in the mind and may be present where no overt act of worship has taken place. And so just the... Thinking the way I think about who God is can 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 be an idol, uh, or idolatry, if you would. So it's entertaining untrue thoughts about who God is, and that that shows itself up in so many places and ways, right? I mean, when you ask the question like, "Why did I do that? Why did I do that? What about how I thought about who God is at that time contributed to my making that decision?" That's that's the key question. Untrue thoughts about God also say about that. My mind goes to black and white. Uh huh. Well, that that's black. Good morning. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. True. And this is absolutely. True. What about a measure of Un- untruthness? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so is that still? I think it is. Okay. I really do. I think anything that diminishes the glory of God, which is absolute perfection in all counts, in all ways, in his in his character and his conduct, 
I think, becomes an idolatry thing. So the question comes in, how much of a good thing? Yeah. I mean, that's... that's Absolutely. So is it, like, is it wrong to, wrong to, to eat, right? Yeah. Everybody would agree. But can, can you... Much of that. Yeah. Right. Right. And we said last time, remember, what was, what was the definition of good, right? It was doing the right thing the right way at the right time for the right reasons. And so that was kind of our, that helped a, a number of people in the room to try to wrap their arms around, you know, how to put a temperature gauge on that. Back, back to, you know, it's either on or off. It's not, degree, it's not a variant of, right? So, um, and then we asked them some key questions about, like, uh, how do I think wrongly about who God is? And we, um, we looked at that last time, and uh, I gave you a number of things, like, um, that... Uh, uh, I mentioned, you know, uh, that God's not able. He's uh, he's he's all good unless things are going my way, aren't going my way. God wants us to be happy. If He really loved me, He would. Dot dot dot. Doesn't have my best interests at heart. Can't see or doesn't know my thoughts and my sin. Uh, he exists in time and, and and space to please me. I mean, these are all um, ways in which I think wrongly about God, and they will have. Implications in my how I how I conduct myself in my life. Okay, so everything start. Is everybody starting to see how it all's pointing back to this? What do I think about God? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, and then we looked at First John two fifteen and sixteen. Read it real quickly for you and getting going here. First um, John five. Uh, excuse me. First John two fifteen and sixteen says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world, and the world's passing away, and it's lust, and the one who does the will of God will abide forever. And we looked at this, and we said, like, uh, the worship principle here is, like, you can't have it both ways. You, it's either you're going to love God and please Him, or you're going to love this world, I'll call it and or yourself, right? And and please yourself. It's it's only two options on the table. And so that's the key thing there. The second thing here is that um, there's really three major, I'll call it, ingredients to our idols. One is is what we'll call our affections, which is the the boastful pride of life. Uh, Actually, the lust of the flesh. um, And... Our affections have to do with um, a satisfying or uh, our sensual satisfaction. Lust of the eyes is our appetites or our hunger, so to speak, and and that's for um, just wanting more, wanting more, wanting something that God hasn't chosen to give to me at this time. And the third one here is the pride of life, and we looked at that as aspirations. It's really t- trying to make mu- much of me, making much of me, and so um, lifting myself up. Um, uh, the, the core ingredient of the last one that you can see is pride. So it, that's the piece. So these all fit together and, and make lots of different kinds of idols in our lives. Um, sometimes they're one and only or they are ingredients that, that fit a, a few of them. The great news about this is the promise of idols that we closed with last time and we'll pick up there uh, in our time together is that um, this, these, our idols are not going to last forever. And that, and that, you know, God says this world is passing away, and that that we won't have to do battle with this forever in our lives. And uh, there will come a time when um, He will make all things new. And so um, it gives us great hope 
around that that area uh, uh, there. Love this, my precious and that great. Like, oh, I, 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 I resonate with that. <laughs> when I really ask myself the tough questions, I resonate with that, right? So let's get going. Uh, let's turn our Bibles to Ezekiel uh, 14. Ezekiel 14. We're going to take a look now at some key observations about idols. And we'll go through this relatively quickly. Ezekiel uh, chapter 14. 1 through 8. Would somebody read that out loud, Cheryl? <laughs> Do you have it? No? Anybody? Be fun. Should have waited till made sure you had it first. Sorry. <laughs> 14, 1 through 8. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me, and I sat before me. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart, and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their should I be inquired of all of, of, at all of by them. Therefore speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his yard, putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity face, and cometh to the prophet. I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the house of Israel in heart, because they are all estranged from through their idols. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols. Turn away from your faces from all your abominations. For every one of the house of Israel, or of the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, Separated himself from me, setteth up his idols in his heart, and tumbling block of his iniquity before his face, cometh to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself, and I will set my face against that man, make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and you show that I am the Lord. Hmm. So. Uh, let's start at the top here. Um, idols are created in our hearts. He says, uh, verse 3, These men have set up their idols in their hearts. Verse 4, The house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart. So the very first thing we, we, we conclude here is that, is that idols are created in our hearts. It's our hearts that make these idols. Nowhere else. And they're formed and fashioned there in the in the in the um, immaterial part of who we are. Um, second is, idols take a lot of effort in, uh, to fashion or erect. In verse 4, he says, uh, uh, who sets, um, uh, uh, thus says the Lord God, any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart, puts right before his face. This idea of sets up, if you go into that and look at that, what it's talking about is like, is like, um, like it didn't just like pull it out and throw it down up there. It's like to create this idol, it took some work. It wasn't just a once and done thing. Like it took time to fashion it. It took time to create it. It took time to set it in the right place in, in, uh, uh, before his face. He calls it. Um, the third one here is that idols spring up. Uh, appear to spring up quickly, causing trouble. Hold your finger here in Ezekiel, and let's take a look at something, a couple 
key points that are found in in uh, in Hebrews chapter twelve, um, which is a fascinating connection here. Uh, Hebrews chapter twelve. Uh, let's take a look at uh, verse fifteen. The, the backdrop to this is he's just finished talking about the discipline of the Lord and, and he talks, he says here, verse 15, he says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God and that no, quote, root of bitterness springs up, causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. And so this idea of this root of bitterness, that's a key idol. And idols tend to be root, large tap roots in our, in our souls. They go way deep, and they have lots of branches to them, as I was mentioning earlier um, in mine. And so, um, like, uh, as an example, the root of bitterness, he says, um, first of all, that it, it, it springs up quickly, um, it causes trouble, and it defiles those around us. And so we could most likely say that that probably is, for the most part, um, an example of of, an, of a key idol in a, in a heart. Bitterness is a is a key idol. Like I, I worship that bitterness because I won't deal with it biblically, um, and so therefore it just grows and grows and grows. And as a result, it 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 goes deep, like it goes quickly, and it affects like the people around me. I don't even know it. I don't even see it, but. I guarantee you, my idols that I gave you earlier—security, selfishness, and and um, um, significance—those three in my life have a halo effect of of uh, around all the people in my life, um, and they have an an impact on them. And I don't even hardly even notice it because I'm not caring about them. I'm caring about like myself in those situations. Does that make sense to everybody? So, another way you could say is that idols cause us to be um, like blinded. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Go back to um, uh, Ezekiel. Um, uh, next is that idols consume our attentions, our affections, our appetites, our aspirations, and our approval. Our idols can't continue unless we say yes to them. That's the only reason why they continue. We continue to say yes to them. And the way we say yes to them is we continue to worship and serve them. That's the issue. And so as we continue to... Now, we don't go through this normal, normally. We don't go through this process of going, I'm making this decision for this reason, and therefore I'm doing this, and therefore it's, it's an affront and a, you know, to God, and I'm going to choose to do that anyway. And like I don't care what that means. It's just the way our humanness has, has wired us. And... Um, What's fascinating is those, those, those same idols, when conquered, can actually be strengths that God can use um, because we make much of Him instead of like giving in to our idols as a result of that. Um, so they consume our attention. They consume our affections. They are the things that we think about, back to the question I asked earlier, which is what, do you, what takes your thoughts, right? When when no one's around or or whatever, like what what are the desires of your heart when you just think about in a, your imaginations, right? That's that's the thing we talked about earlier. Next is that idols blind us to what is around us. The the thought process here is he says he, the idols are put set bef- right before our face. He says you've set your idols before your faces. 
Well, Sammy can see uh, see me from where he's at, right? And 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 you 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 know. But let's say this is your idol. If I put this right in front of your face, okay, he's not able to see too much more other than his idol, <laughs> and that's. That's what this is trying to get at, is like I, I, I choose to put that right in front of my face so that anywhere I look, like that's, that's the grid through which I see things uh, that are going on. And therefore, it affects how I make the decisions. And so our language would be, our idols have become those kind of rose-colored glasses by which we interpret everything and make decisions. Does that make sense? And so... That's what he's trying to get at. Is like our idols have a have a, have a strong effect on actually the decisions that we make because that's how we're seeing things uh, left to our own devices um, in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looked at the homework. Why? Why? He's been called because hmm. what are my idols. What are my yeah. Until yeah. I'll 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 concur with that 100 percent personally. You know, just personally. You know, I mean, I I knew that idols were bad. I knew that like it was an affront to God. I knew that it affected my worship. I knew it affected my intimacy. But I hadn't personally dealt with my idols and written them down and and said like, what am I going to do about these? I hadn't done that. That was valuable for me personally, extremely valuable. Um, next is idols have a habit of multiplying. Idols have a habit of multiplying. Look, uh, he calls them not just an idol. He calls them idols in his heart. And it appears based upon the way it goes on here. He goes into verse 4. In the matter in view of the multitude of his idols. The multitude of his idols. You know, um, uh, John Calvin said, The human heart is a factory of idols. Every one of us is, from his mother's womb, expert in inventing idols. You know what metaphor or picture I use for this? Everybody, anybody remember the movie Gremlins? Remember when you threw water on them? <laughs> like they multiply. Like this was nice and cuddly, you know. I, I, I embraced this little one, you know. Yeah, he was a little nasty sometimes, but then I threw water on him. Like they're growing. Like they're all nasty. Like I now see who you really are. Like decapitation <laughs> I'm going to kill you <laughs> that's what we have to learn about idols like when I let them go and I feed them they multiply in my heart and it will cause and wreak havoc in my soul um, idols are stumbling blocks in our lives stumbling blocks in our lives he says <clears throat> uh, verse 3 he says uh, Right before their faces, the stumbling blocks of their iniquity. So not only are they stumbling blocks, but they also cause us to sin. A stumbling block that causes us to sin. Um, and so th- this is how they are constructed, is that the outcome is that I sin. The outcome of sin we, we know is going to be death. So th- the very essence of letting my idols continue and not trying to obliterate them says that I'm going to struggle with experiencing life and intimacy with God. That's, that's just the way it is. Um, idols keep God from answering our prayers. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, he says, The one, any man of the house of Israel, steps up idols in his heart right before his face, the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet... I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of his, the multitude of his idols. 
says, I, the Lord, am going to get personally involved. I, the Lord, am going to take this seriously. Um, uh, so God, he says, I'm not going to answer that. Um, says right. He says, I'm not going to answer that. What he says here is that he's, he's going to address... Um, Instead of answering uh, the, the, the person's prayers, he says, I'm going to focus on your idols. Like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to take your head and point you right at your idols. I'm not going to deal with answering your prayer because your idols are the affront. It's, it's not getting your prayers answered. It's that you have set this up in front of me. I'm going to take your face and I'm going to show you those idols because that is what I need you to deal with. Um, idols take God's rightful place in our hearts. And idols cause God uh, uh, to be jealous of our hearts. Jealous of our hearts. He says, in a uh, multitude of your idols, in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are, quote, estranged from me through all their idols. So their idols are causing uh, God to be estranged. And he doesn't want to be estranged. So that's why he says he's jealous of the fact that something else is taking their heart. And, and God's rightful place is, is that he has all of our heart, right? He says, like, worship me with your whole heart, right? And then uh, idols enslave and imprison our hearts. They, 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 uh, they cause us to be estranged. They're like, they've, it's, it's put prison doors and bars around our heart in such a way that it, it's a fortification against, like, God himself, like, from, from being... Uh, uh, having our heart be all his, if you would. So, uh, they enslave and imprison our hearts. Idols keep us from experiencing intimacy with God. Idols keep us from experiencing intimacy with God. Look at uh, verse 7. He says, uh, uh, For anyone of the house of Israel or the immigrants who stay in Israel who, quote, separates himself from me, by setting up idols in his heart. So literally having set up idols in my heart, I'm separating myself from God. Like, like fellowship is not where it needs, needs to be or could be. Intimacy is not what it, what it could be or should be. I have made that decision to set up the idol in my heart. So therefore, that has vast implications to my communing with him and fellowship with him. That's why he says, like, I don't, I'm not going to listen to your prayers. I, I need you to listen to me about this. Like, this is so big, you know, you can't see anything else. So I need to, I need to capture your affections, your attention, your, your approval, everything. Idols cause God to get personally involved. Get personally involved. He says, um, end of verse 7, Then comes to the prophet to inquire of me for himself. I, the Lord, will be brought to answer him in my own person. So like, like, I'm not going to go through no prophets anymore. Like, I'm coming... I'm getting personally involved in your life. Like, I am going to be there, and I'm going to do some business. And so, he's going to personally get involved. Idols will cause God to do whatever it takes to recapture and redeem and reclaim our hearts. He says, um, And I shall set my face against the man and make him a sign and a proverb, and I shall cut him off from among people, so you shall know that I am the Lord. This idea of... uh, uh, of a sign and a proverb. His point is, I'm going to make you an example. I'm going to make you an example. And this is probably here talking about a non-believer in this setting. But I believe that the principles are probably very much the same. He's not going to cut them off from the people. 
But in this setting, in this situation, I believe that God's going to, and when we get to talking about the discipline of the Lord, like, I'm going to, I'm going to make you an example. And it's not going to be a good one. <laughs> um, and people are going to point to that example for some time, especially the people who know you close enough. We're going to point to that example like, what would have it been like if I had just listened to the Lord and, 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 um, and done business with this idol before this? God wouldn't have had to take me to the woodshed. He wouldn't have had to do this in this way. So he'll do whatever it takes. One thing I didn't put on here, but it's in verse 6, and that is that how do you... God's only solution to idols is to repent and turn away from them. Repent and turn away from them. That's his only, that's his only solution there. Repent and turn away from them. Verse 6. Well, let's move from this to look at uh, uh, learning to long for God and God alone. Paul Tripp says, and this is kind of what you were getting at, um, Sam, uh, also was, he says, uh, could it be that desire for a good thing has become a bad thing because that desire has become a ruling thing? So, doesn't mean that it's a bad thing that you're doing necessarily, or it's you know. But it, but if it if it rules your heart, if it rules your affections, if it rules your appetites, if it re- rules the decisions of your heart, then it, then it has become a ruling thing, and it, therefore it, it, it is bad. It, it is a sin then, because it's taken the place of God. Elise Fitzpatrick wrote a book, Idols of the Heart. I thought it was very, very good. And she says, the only way we can avoid the sin of idolatry is immersing ourselves in spirit-enlightened study of God through the scriptures. Amen. Um, uh, would somebody read the, the last one here? Uh, Linda, you got that one? Yeah. Let us be so take our outer Amen. We talked a little bit about that when we were talking about worship itself, right? Um, uh, Anne, would you read the top one? Wonder why you choose to worship gods rather than wholeheartedly devote yourself to the Lord thoughts and desires that captivate your That's where you'll find the answer to every sin and failure in your life. Don't be deceived into thinking that you need to develop more willpower. We love godly thoughts. And Amen. Uh, Mick, can you read the next one? In my heart. In my heart is rooted. Amen. So even that desire to want to um, please God is rooted in my heart, by God. Um, and He's the one that, that keeps that uh, 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 fire going. Um, last one here. Deb, can you read that one? No, to believe the truth. Amen. Amen. The, it will be impossible to resist the allurement of the gods of this earth as they whisper their promised pleasures to us. So let's um, talk a little bit about idols of the heart, our warning. Our warning. Our warning. John says in 1 John 5, 20 and 21, keep yourselves from idols. So the first one here is guard yourself from idols. Guard yourself from idols. Um, he, he goes on to say, uh, uh, Joe Thorne goes on to say in, in a note about 1 John 5, 20 and 21, and he, it's in his book called the discipline of preaching to yourself—it's you know—it's a great reminder that you know I need to I need to preach this word to myself first and foremost. Um, but he says um, the warning here is not given to them because it wasn't a real danger or because there was an off chance someone might fall into idolatry. 
Um, it was given because this is our root problem. Root problem on any given day. It is what we, especially as followers of Jesus, must, must fight against. 1 Corinthians 10.14, Paul says, uh, uh, Brethren, free, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Guard yourselves against idols and flee from idolatry. That doesn't sound like we should cozy up to any of these things. Um, one of the key things that for myself that I... It's, 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 a, it's just a little verse in a song. You, you probably know it. But for me, it helps me significantly to sing this to myself in, this t- in, in the times that I need to make good decisions. And that is, um, turn your eyes... Um, to turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His goodness and grace. And so, His glory and grace. And so, that, that for me helps me a lot um, to remember. Um, so, what are some biblical responses to idols? First of all, um, what do I do with them? Well, scriptures are quite clear. Um, first of all, identify them. Identify them. In, in, your, in, your, in your homework, I asked you to really look at Psalm, Psalm 139, 23, and 24, which really talks about search my heart, O God, and f- see if there's any hurtful way. Um, and help me understand my heart. Back to what Sam said earlier, like only the Word of God and the Spirit of God can help us know. He's the great heart knower, to know our hearts, to understand them. Uh, we can't know them ourselves. So we have to ask for His help. And that's hopefully what we did in, as we've been looking at the first homework assignment. Okay? Then secondly, um, turn from them or put, put them off. Repent and ask for forgiveness. Repent and ask for forgiveness. Um, Psalm 51 uh, Psalm 51 says, Against you and you alone have I sinned, right? Uh, I wanted to read um, uh, an, uh, an, a part of uh, uh, devotional from Paul Tripp in this book I've been telling you a little bit about, New Morning Mercies, a daily gospel devotional, that I thought was really good here. Um, and uh, uh, let's see. It was from uh, December 11th, and it says. Um, if obedience is a personal act of worship, then, then disobedience is a personal one too. Every sin is a violation of relationship, a sin against God. I think that we often misunderstood what sin is all about, and in doing so we minimize how, horribly, how horrible it, is, it really is. If you unwittingly devalue the heinous nature of sin, you also devalue the amazing grace that alone is able to rescue from it. Say it again. If you unwittingly devalue the heinous nature of sin, then you will also devalue the grace that alone is able to save and rescue you from it. The first way we devalue sin is to think that sin is about behavior and behavior alone. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Sin is first and foremost a matter of our heart. Since you live out of your heart, sin always originates there. Sin is always a matter of the thoughts, the desires, the motives, and choices of the heart. Sin is a matter of the heart that expresses itself in behavior of the body. Your body physically goes where your heart has already gone. 
that this is precisely why we need rescuing grace. We can run from a certain situation, location, relationship, but we have no ability whatsoever to escape our hearts. For that, we need rescuing grace. Second, we tend to think of sin as breaking a set of abstract rules. But sin is much more than that. This is the key thing in in this whole process right here. Sin is the breaking of a relationship that results in breaking God's rules. Remember, the Ten Commandments begin with a call to worship God above all else. You see, it is only when God is in His rightful place in my heart that I desire to live in a way that pleases Him. If God is not in His rightful place, I insert myself in His place. I write my own laws. I give myself to doing what pleases me. So every sin is a sin against God first. Every sin is an assault on God's rightful place. Every sin is a betrayal that I did against Him. Every sin steals glory from Him. Every sin denies His existence and His authority. Every sin replaces Him with something else. Every sin quests quests for His power and His glory. Every sin is after His throne. Sin is personal and relational. Even if you do not consciously if you are not conscious of it at the moment when you're sinning. That is, why, that is why it is right for David, who had just committed adultery and murder, to say against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David is not minimizing the horrible wrongs he did against Bathsheba and Uriah and the people of Israel. What he's doing is confessing the core of what sin is about. Sin questions God's goodness, wisdom, faithfulness, and love. Sin challenges God's personal rule. Sin says that you know better than God. Sin is personal, and that is why Jesus suffered and died, so that you and I would receive forgiving grace. Amen. Amen. Turn from them. Our idols always demand a sacrifice from us. That is the key thing that we just really don't understand. What's an example of sacrifice? Every time we sin, our sin demands a sacrifice. What's the sacrifice that we give? Death. Like, death is going to be the outcome of that, right? So, so we sacrifice life to, to, to try to get death. I mean, that's really the fundamental thing that we're making the, the great exchange here. Intimacy with God and life. I'm sacrificing up that to get, to get death. Um, our idols cannot be removed. They must be replaced or obliterated or decapitated or however we want to talk about it. Um, so turn from them. Uh, the third one here is replace them or put on. So instead of just putting off, because we're worshipers, we have to go through the heavy lifting to understand what can I, what can what 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 can my heart change in how it's worshiping those particular idols in order to replace those with something else because my heart's a worshiper. Like, I have to continue to worship something. And so that's why those captivated me here. And I have to replace them somehow with something that's God-honoring, Christ-exalting. So I have to figure out, like, what is um, a sweeter and a nobler song? I have to tune my ears and my heart to a nobler and a sweeter song when we say nobler song, what does that mean? What makes it nobler? Pure. Right. The object of it, which is God, right? So, what makes it noble is that there's, there's 
purpose. It's, it's got higher purpose to it. Higher purpose. So I'm not sinning in, in my own life by myself. Like I'm connected to people. Like I have a halo effect around my life that is, that is happening because of my sin. And therefore, if I choose a far nobler song, like, like it's going to have a demonstrable effect around those people in my life that I, that, are, that I touch. Not for death, but for life. And then a sweeter song. What, what's that mean? So if, if no, being noble song is, is purposeful, and what, what's a sweeter song? Loving, Loving worshipful, kept captivating my attention, uh, bringing value to the situation, to, you know, pleasing God, right? I mean, sweeter song says it, is, it, it, it tastes better. It's far better tasting than bitter, right? Sweet, bitter. Satisfying. satisfying, be perfect, yeah. Satisfying, be a really good example, yeah. But the great news is that when I set, when when I choose my life to, to please God, He then satisfies my soul. So it, it's it's this circle that happens, right? Yeah, very much so. Um, two, two verses here: Colossians three two. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. In your homework, I asked you um, to look at. Um, uh, I asked you to look at uh, uh, next week. Next week's homework. I asked you to look at Ephesians four twenty two through twenty four. There he talks about laying aside or putting off. It's the same one we have here. And he talks about being renewed in the spirit of my mind. So it's the idea of being changed in my mind in order to think differently, to think different thoughts about who God is, right? Than I did before. And 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 second and last but not least, the third one. He says, "Put on your new self." So it's putting on, putting off, putting on um, your new self, the one that is created in righteousness and holiness. He says, um, "It's the likeness of God." And so, this idea of setting my my mind on a sweeter song is things above, things that are eternal, things that last, things that matter, things that bring life, things that um, please God. And then, last but not least, in Hebrews twelve, um, like. Like there's a cloud of witnesses happening, like they are, they see and hear, and and I want to live my life in such a way that whether those cloud of witnesses are still yet here or they've gone before us, um, that that I can join full-throated praise to God because of the decisions of my heart. I I want that more than anything else. Um, so, how to replace them putting on? We'll spend more time on this when we get to um, uh, a section uh, coming up down the road in, in, our, in our journey that we'll talk about strongholds and stronghold idols and how to actually uh, address those in, in a more tactful way. But the framework will not change. It will be put off, renew my mind, and put on. And, and repent from those to be as a first step, if you would. Um, first and foremost. So my question in the homework, when you get down to, t- after taking example and, and asking the question underneath there, like, uh, take, like I took a, like I asked you to take a specific sin 
that you went through this last week and then build on that this next week. Um, For me, those questions were helpful. But the final question I ask in the homework is, will I do that? That's a decision of my will. It's not like, what should I do? It's like, will I do that? And that's a commitment that I'm asking each of us to take um, in in each of those key strongholds that are there. So in closing, just real quick, summary for these three weeks, uh, I want to have you walk away with um, some key, 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 key points here. First of all, the true nature of my heart is that I, Mark Hurlburt, am an, idol- an idolater and an idol worshiper. Um, until, until I conclude that, I can't, can't, I can't make, make any progress personally. Back in my idols are the greatest contributor to my lack of intimacy with God. And to begin with, I must confess them and repent them, repent of them. Third here is that who or what wins the battle for my heart will win the war. What wins the war will be my treasure. What my treasure is, um, I will serve. And what I serve is what or who I worship. Um, and last but not least, I must replace my affections, my appetites, my aspirations with God-pleasing, Christ-exalting, Spirit-enabling hunger, thirst, and desire. And it's those kind of things that please Him and will bring Him glory. Um, that concludes our, our, work, our taking a look at our quest, our motive, and our worship, um, and, and how to evaluate and deliberately start to disentangle my heart. I'll tell you when... When I, when I first started this, that picture of that heart on our objectives with all the black connections coming off of it, uh, I mean, I, I think only when we understand the glory of God and my heart in contrast to that do I really believe that that's my heart. That's my heart. And I'm, I need to figure out like what, what, what are the things that I need to do differently in order to commune and have fellowship with God. Um, so next time is about stilling our heart for intimacy that uh, Sam will pick up on at that time. Just in closing, any comments about this journey, about the specificity around idols of the heart at all, um, or just any learnings beside, beyond what we talked about earlier before we pray? Yeah. I mean, I've seen Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's about trying to f- keep them from growing in the first place, right, and be be closer to the timetable of assessment and and conclusions about like what's keeping that from that intimacy from where, being where it needs to be even today, right now, this moment, right? I think, does it make sense? Yeah. I think the longer we let them, the longer we don't do that moral surgery on our hearts, the, the deeper they go, and the harder they are to pull them out again and decapitate them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. And he says, uh, just in in closing, um, says that uh, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. It is our faith in Christ. And he says, you know, he who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Any other thoughts? Yeah. I just want to say, it was powerful for me because idols aren't just objects, they're emotions. Yeah. 
Yes. You know, and that that was really eye opening. Yeah, yeah. To look at that. Yeah. Why? Just I mean, comments and then you're sort of springboard into that's where it starts. It starts with faith, trust, God's word. Yeah, and who he is. <laughs> yeah, it starts. This is given to us. It's what are not feeding our minds because we don't know. I mean, I know some people. I'm just thinking about myself. I know I want to. I want to pick up the Bible every day. I'm going to read something that's going to be very specific to my daily activity. And how? I, you know, it's not. I'm reading in numbers today. What's going on here? I mean, do I really need to? You know. But when you you talk and you teach, and it happens to everybody in our own minds, and even in a daily situation. Would say something, I'm like, yes, there's the Bible verse, I can remember it. Or when something's happening in your life, uh, and, and you're feeding yourself, mm. it's it stops you. You know, the Word of God stops you and yeah. says, this isn't the right choice, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because um, you're being transformed. And when we, when we fail to adjust ourselves or align ourselves under the truth, whether we want to or not, you know, um, that's where we get into pattern of anger or anxiety. Yeah, or fear. Yeah, fear, anxiety, that those two categories, then if we continue down that path, we end up in an unbelieving, hopeless despair. That's, and and that's where the devil wants it. It does. It's a neutralized place. It's a totally (laughs) isolated, neutralized place. So, when we feel those senses of anxiety or insecurity in that particular case, there's something going on. There's something, well, there's something going on, and certainly, the devil wants you to feel yeah. that way. Yeah. But it, this this rolls. This it rocks. Yeah. Dave, would you close us in prayer? Father God, we just love you so much and recognize the deception of our hearts. And uh there's no greater in place just the hope we have mm. faith in him. Mm. So we just think that and other it's a morning that uh, causes us to follow um, in praying. But it is our have these power of your word ever were at fellowship of your word. Amen. If you weren't here when we started, we'll be picking back up again on the eleventh of January. So thank you everybody. Have a great day. Have a great Merry Christmas.